Hey everyone, good to see you. I have my special friend here, GJ, the grape jelly loving bear. It's time for him to get up. He's been hibernating a long time. I don't want him to miss the special day. Oh, oh. hey, who woke me up? Hey. What's going on? Hi. What did I miss? Hi, GJ. You've been, you've been sleeping a long time and I don't want you to miss our special day. Special day? Yeah. What's special? Well, do you want to take a guess? Grape Jelly Day! <laughs> no, it's not Grape Jelly Day, although I'm sure you would like that. Absolutely. No, it's not Grape Jelly Day. Want to take mm. another guess? I don't know. Maybe the kids can help me. Hey, that's a great idea. All right, you guys, let's do this. On the count of three, you're going to yell out what makes today special. What day is it? And GJ, you'll tell him, okay? So listen up, GJ. Open those ears. On the count of three, everybody, you can just yell it nice and loud. Adults can join in too. One, two, three. Yeah! Uh, it's Mother's Day. <laughs> oh, it's Mother's Day. I haven't done anything for my mom. Uh, I totally forgot. Uh, it is Mother's Day. It's a great day. And you know what? On Mother's Day, we are honoring our mothers. In fact, let me tell you a great Bible verse. This is from Ephesians 6. It's the sixth chapter, verses one, two, and three. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. <clears throat> so we're told to honor your father and mother. GJ, what makes your mom special? Mm, well, she fixes me food and... Teaches me things like brushing my teeth and combing my hair and, well, and she loves me even when I'm not always good. Oh, she sounds like a great mom. Yeah. And you know what? <clears throat> On Mother's Day, we're honoring our moms, our grandmas, our aunts, our adopted moms, our mentor moms, our stepmoms, our spiritual moms. We have a wow. lot. We have a lot of special ladies in we our do. lives. We do. Well, how am I supposed to honor my mom? Do you have any ideas? I do. I'm going to give you five suggestions and we're going to pick one. Okay. Okay. Good plan. Okay. Some moms really like gifts. And so you might want to give your mom a gift, something that you make or get at a store and you wrap it up. Yeah, some that's moms, a good idea. Some moms love gifts and that's a great way to show your love. Some moms really like words of affirmation. Oh. Yeah. Like I, a card or a poem? Like a card. Like this one says, love. And let's see. Nice. On the inside it says, sending you lots and lots of love. And then, oh, look, this boy wrote a really nice note to his mom. Okay. Another week some moms like to be shown love is acts of service. So maybe instead of your mom making lunch or dinner or a snack, maybe you would make something. Mm. Yep. Or That's you, good. What else could you do to serve your mom besides cook? I could help her plant flowers. Yep. It's about that time. It is. Another way that some moms like to be shown love is with this watch. What do you think that means? Uh, time? Time. Some moms just would love to have a long time just to be with their kids. Mm. Yeah. Talking, playing games. I can see that. Going for a walk. Mm -hmm. Yep. And there's another one. Some moms just really love something that you're really good at. Something uh, that we call 
bear hug. Hugs, uh, yeah. Yeah, you're good at that. That's a good one. Yeah, that is a good one for you. So, JJ, what do you think would be a great way to show your mom honor? Actually, I think I'm going to give my mom a hug and help her with flowers. That's awesome. I think she'll love that. So your mom likes hugs and she likes to be served. That's great. And I'm sure that will help her feel loved. It's a great I way. hope so. Okay, that's a great way to honor her. Can I Love you, Mom. Uh, Are you a mom? I'm a mom. Wow. I know. Can I have a hug from you? Nice. Sure. Oh, thanks, DJ. You're awesome. So, yeah, I am. So kids today. And humble. Kids today, when you honor your moms, try to figure out what really means the most to her. Does she want time with you? Does she like gifts? Does she love notes with sweet words? Does she like to be served? Or maybe she just needs a big old bear hug like GJ gives. Whatever it is, find a sweet way to honor her. You know something else you can do for your mom? What's that? Pray for her. Oh, good one. Every mom loves that. Happy Mother's Day, everybody, moms. Happy Mother's Day. See ya. Again, we just want to say Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there. Uh, one of my majors in school was business. And um, I remember being in business class one day, and the professor was uh, sort of causing us to think through the managers in our life that, that are great examples, some of the best managers that you can think of. And then the professor challenged us to say, have you considered your mother? That is probably the best picture of a manager that you can think of, managing the home. And, and uh, so just a, a moment here we take to just say thank you to all the moms and and uh, we just also want to thank you, if you're here in our parking lot, uh, at the end of the service, if you go to the south exit, I'll be out there. Uh, we've got some geraniums that we want to give to all the ladies here in our parking lot as a way to say thank you. If today's maybe a little bit of a tough one, as you reflect, maybe, maybe your mother isn't here on this earth, maybe she's passed, and, and this is a day of reflection, we just want to meet with you in that, and, and um, just recognizing that God's grace and his hand being upon you, and, and please take, take one of those plants as a way to reflect that loved one in your life, and we just want to thank all you moms and wish you happy Mother's Day. And speaking of good managers, I'm going to transition now to Nehemiah. This is a guy that really, really was quite the manager, and we started a series in the book of Nehemiah last week. I feel like this is where God wants us to go as a congregation, and we are going to camp out in Nehemiah until I feel like the Lord says uh, we're going to wrap things up. And so we're going to be in this for several weeks, and, and we continue in this today. And the message today is titled, Blessed by the Hand of God. And you're going to see how this works here in Nehemiah 2, 4, Nehemiah. Now remember last week I ended with the fact that Nehemiah was a cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. And, uh, and I want to pick things up from his prayer in chapter 1, verse 11. That's where we're going to start. But before we begin our time in God's Word, I do want to ask that we would take a moment to pray and ask God to speak to our hearts. So will you pray with me right now? Father, we thank you so much for your word and how you guide us and you lead us, you instruct us, you speak to us through your word. And Father, right now I pray that you'd settle our hearts to receive 
and that you'd speak into our lives, and Lord, that our hearts would be hearts that are ready to respond, to receive and respond. And we thank you for this time now, Lord. We ask your anointing and your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, we're in the book of Nehemiah. And like I said, we're going to pick up. Before we go into chapter 2, I want to look at verse 11, Nehemiah's prayer. This is a prayer that he gives when he is broken. He realizes he needs to do something about it. He confesses his sin. He confesses the sin of, of the Jerusalem. And, and what do I do with this? What do I do with this feeling on my heart? And he prays to the Lord. And it says in verse 11, O Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. And then this is what he says. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. By making King Artaxerxes favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. For in those days I was the king's cupbearer. So we recognize that he brings this prayer to the Lord right away. And now we roll into chapter 2 and verse 1, and the Bible says, Early the following spring, in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine, and I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So when Nehemiah was broken, four months later, he appears sad in the king's presence. And in verse 2, the king asks him, why are you so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified, but I replied, Long live the king. How can I not be sad? Now here's the moment where Nehemiah lays out the burden that he's been carrying. He lays it out to the king. He says, For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, well, how can I help you? And right there in verse 4, you see an answer to Nehemiah's prayer in chapter 1, verse 11. The king says, how can I help you? And with a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it please the king and if, it, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king with the queen sitting beside him asked, How long will you be gone and when will you return? And after I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. Look how God answers prayer. Verse 7, Nehemiah says, I also said to the king, If it pleased the king, let me have... Letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make beams for the gates for the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for a house for myself." And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. Look how God answers prayer. 
Verse 9, when I came to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, I delivered the king's letter to them. And the king, I should add, had sent along army officers and horsemen to protect me. Look how God answers prayer. Verse 10, but when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of my arrival... They were very displeased that someone had come, and three days later I slipped Israel. So I arrived in Jerusalem, and three days later I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. And I had not told anyone about the plans that God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. We took no pack animals with us except the donkey that I was riding. Inspect the bro- I went out through the valley gate, past the jackal's well, and over to the dung gate to inspect the broken walls and the burned gates. Then I went to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but my donkey could not get through the rubble. So, though it was still dark, I went up to the Kidron Valley instead, inspecting the wall before I turned back and entered again at the valley gate. The city officials did not know I had been out there, Or what I was doing, for I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone else in the administration. But now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem And end this disgrace. Then I told them about the gracious hand of God and how it had been on me and about my conversations with the king. They replied at once, Yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king, they asked. And I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding the wall. But you have no share, legal right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. There's a lot packed in those verses here in chapter 2 and And I want to look at a few things today. I'll be looking at the king's blessing. I'll be looking at the opposition that was uh, starting to stir. And I'll also look at the hand of God in the midst of all of this. And I want to start with recognizing the king's blessing. And as I walk through this, I want to compare Nehemiah's king, King Artaxerxes, to our king. King Jesus and the blessings that come from being underneath his kingship, from being a part of the kingdom of God. And so one of the first things I recognize with the king's blessing in verses 5 and 6, you see permission. You see permission. It starts with permission. In verse 5, Nehemiah requests permission. He says, if it please the king, and if you are pleased with me, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. Nehemiah is basically saying, King, if it be your will, if it be your will. And notice that Nehemiah checks 
with the king to make sure that he's in the right place to even ask that question. That's interesting. He's, he's saying, if it please the king, if it be your will, but then he also says that if you're pleased with me, I don't want us to miss this. Sometimes we can lay out our requests to the Lord. We can ask the Lord to reveal his will. We ask the Lord for permission on things, but at the same time, there might be a sin issue that isn't settled, which means that we're not coming to God with the right heart. And I want to be clear about something this morning, that sin is never God's will for your life. The first two steps in God's will are to be saved. That means you have a right relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. So the first step is to be saved. The second step is to be sanctified, which means to become more and more holy or more and more like Christ. So that means sin is is continually leaving your life and you're pursuing more and more of Christ. And so you look at how Nehemiah says, if it please you, and if you're pleased with me. And then permission is granted in verse 6 when the king agrees to the request. The first part of the king's blessing is permission, and applying that into our life is to make sure that we're walking in the will of God. The next part here in verse 7 is pathway. God clears a path, the letters addressed to the governors clear Nehemiah's path for travel. And when you are in the king's will, he clears you a pathway. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. That word acknowledge would also mean submit to him. In all your ways submit to God And he will make smooth or he'll straighten your pathway. That's one of the blessings of living for King Jesus is he clears your path. He straightens it. Another blessing is the provision that the king brings. In verse 8, Nehemiah attains timber for the gates and the walls and even his own house. He's given Provision for the mission at hand and also provision for his own needs. And this applies to us in our own life. I think of Matthew 6, 33, when Jesus says to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of your needs are going to be provided for. Pursue the mission and God will take care of your needs along the way. Philippians 4.19, the Bible says, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Part of the king's blessing provision comes with the king's blessing. The last point in regards to the king's blessing is his protection. I like how Nehemiah says it this way, The king I should add, like, oh, by the way, this is just a little bonus for the trip. Uh, He sent along his army officers and horsemen to protect me. Makes me think of Psalm 91.11, when the Bible says that God will command his angels concerning you 
to guard you in all your ways. Not just in some or in that season, but in all of your ways. Psalm 91, the Bible says God commands his angel army to guard you. Hebrews chapter 1, the Bible says that angels are ministering spirits that are sent to serve those who inherit salvation or, or God's people. Angels, they're sent, their mission is to serve God's people. Think of that. Sometimes I don't know if we realize what's actually happening in the spiritual realm. But I should add, with God's protection, that there's a mighty angel army that's commanded to guard you, to, to protect you, to serve you. The king's blessing is amazing, but just because you walk in God's blessing, it doesn't mean that there won't be some opposition. And Nehemiah departs with the king's blessing, but as he begins the mission, he's surveying the land, he, uh, he's talking to the officials, saying it's time to start this project. They agree to it, and then he's met with opposition. And as we, as we walk through this portion, I want to compare Nehemiah's enemy to our enemy, and that would be Satan and his demonic force. The opposition, the voice of the enemy. The first thing to note when you're on God's mission, the enemy is going to be displeased with you. Going to be displeased with the mission. Sanballat and Tobiah were very displeased that someone had come to help God's people. You see that in verse 10. And believe me, Satan will always be displeased with anything that you try to do to advance the kingdom of God. He does not want that. His territory is to seek, kill, destroy, and take everybody to hell. That is his mission. And as you advance the kingdom and you bring people from darkness into light, if you help them move their eternal destination from hell to heaven, Satan hates that. He's displeased with kingdom work. He's displeased when we try to help God's people. Another thing the enemy will do will mock you. Verse 19, a guy named Geshem joins in, and the Bible says that these guys begin to scoff contemptuously. The NIV says that they mocked and that they ridiculed. And believe me, Satan will do this, and oftentimes he'll do it with people that are in your life. Some examples of this. Maybe you're living a life of sin and you want to change. You want to walk in a new direction. And so you decide, I'm going to follow Jesus. But what happens is, is all these acquaintances, these people that you've had in your life that, that are sinning with you, they see you trying to change, and so they begin to mock you. They don't understand this whole Jesus thing in your life. And so old acquaintances can begin to mock the mission that God has for you. Standing for truth in our society oftentimes gets mocked by our culture. Back in March, I sent a midweek email about how people were mocking our Vice President Mike Pence for wanting to pray and ask for God to help them in the midst of the COVID-19 situation. And I don't care what party you identify with, when you start mocking prayer, you are entering demonic territory. 
Charles Finney says that mocking God grieves the Holy Spirit and it sears the conscience. And thus the bands of sin become stronger and stronger and the heart becomes gradually hardened by such a process. God will not be mocked. One thing to recognize is that Jesus, when he walked this earth, there were people that tried to mock him. I'm telling you right now, if you choose to follow Jesus, the opposition will mock you. So be prepared for that. The other thing the enemy will do is try to question you. Verse 19, these guys were asking Nehemiah, what are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king? That sounds like the voice of the enemy to me. The enemy asks us questions like, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. You're not good enough for this mission. You're not good enough for God's work. And the enemy causes us to question God's calling and question if we're really doing what our heavenly king has asked us to do. And Satan is really good at planting that seed of doubt. He started in the garden with Adam and Eve. The enemy wants to plant that seed. Did God really say that? The enemy will begin to question you, and if you're not careful, you'll begin to question as well. So what does Nehemiah do? I love this, verse 20. He takes authority. He takes authority. He says, the God of heaven will help us succeed and we will start rebuilding this wall. And this is the part I love right here. But you have no share, no legal right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. And this wasn't a pride thing for Nehemiah. He starts by saying that the God of heaven will help us succeed. But this right here is putting the enemy in its rightful place. And through Jesus, you and I, we have authority over the enemy. And the Bible says that Jesus disarmed the enemy and he publicly shamed them on the cross. And it says that Jesus holds the keys to death and Hades. And Jesus flat out says, all authority has been given to me. So use it. This authority is available for followers of Christ. And if Satan and his, en- and his enemy army are coming against you, come back in the name of Jesus. Take notes here from Nehemiah. They have no share. They have no legal right. And they have no claim. In Jesus' name. Take authority. Perhaps there's circumstances or situations going on in your life right now where you're just, you are being beat up by the enemy. Let that be a, an encouragement and a challenge to you to take authority in the name of Jesus because of what he has done on the cross. Take authority. They have no share, no right, and no claim. I want us to consider the hand of God in Nehemiah's life and as we do so, there's, there's truth for us today. Nehemiah testifies to these things, the hand of God, and you can see this. First off, I want to just note that the hand of God begins with prayer. The hand of God begins with prayer. We, we started with chapter 1, verse 11. 
when he says, please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. So Nehemiah starts this thing with prayer. And when Nehemiah comes to the king and the king asks him how he could help, look what Nehemiah says in verse 4, with a prayer to the God of heaven. So before he even brings the request to the king, he brings it with a prayer to God. The hand of God begins with prayer. You want to see God move in your life, come to him, call out to him. Ask him for help. Bring him into the situation. The hand of God begins with prayer. The next thing about the hand of God is it brings his favor. In verses 8 and 18, Nehemiah testifies about the gracious hand of God being upon him. I am so thankful for God's grace. Undeserved. And God's grace comes to each of our lives in such a powerful way. And and the hand of God brings that kind of favor. The next aspect of, of God's hand is that he brings victory. And you see that in verse 20 when Nehemiah says, The God of heaven will help us succeed. God can bring victory into your life. And it comes from the hand of God Almighty. 1 Corinthians 15 says, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Romans 8 tells us, In everything we have won more than a victory because of Christ who loved us. Because Jesus came to this earth to take on sin and go to the cross and pay the penalty for it, He gave His life And then he rose again, and victory comes with Jesus. Are you in need of victory today? Perhaps there might be something weighing on your heart today, just like something was weighing on Nehemiah's heart. Perhaps you need an answer to prayer. You're praying through some things, and... Nehemiah's testimony to see how God was answering his prayers. Let that be an encouragement to you. And remember, Nehemiah waited four months with this burden. And sometimes we, we're so quick with what we want. We live in a culture where it's boom, we've got it right away. Four months, Nehemiah carried this. But yet, He continued to serve. I don't want us to miss this. In verse 1 here in chapter 2, Nehemiah says, I was serving the king his wine. Nehemiah continued to serve the king. Don't give up. Continue to serve. And as he served the king, God opened the door. And I don't want us to miss this, that victory Victory comes as we serve in the kingdom. Answers to prayer come as we serve in the kingdom. Burdens are lifted as we serve in the kingdom. Doors are opened as we serve in the kingdom. If you're in a 
a waiting room, if you will, if you're in this season of waiting for God to move, I want to encourage you to recognize serve in the kingdom. Serve the king and serve in the kingdom and God will show up. So with our response today, I want to ask a few questions. The first is, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? Is the hand of God present in your life? Are his blessings present in your life? Are you facing some opposition right now? Are you serving in his kingdom? Or do you even know him as king? Have you placed him on the throne of your heart? Asked him to come in and change your life and begin to reign in your life. I want to lead us now in a time of prayer. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Help us all to be in a place of response today. Whatever the Holy Spirit is placing upon our heart, guide us, Lord, in these areas. We thank you for your gracious hand in our life. We thank you for your victory. We thank you for your many blessings. Lord, help us to walk in obedience. Help us to walk in your will and serve in your kingdom. And as we do, we just lay out our needs and we trust that, Lord, you will provide. We thank you, Lord. And Father, if there's someone right now that's listening that would desire to to have you be the king of their life, And to enter into the kingdom of God. I invite you to pray with me in your heart. Just simply say, Jesus, today I want to make you my king. I want to enter into the kingdom of God. And so I come to you as a sinner that is in need of a savior. And I ask for forgiveness. And I ask that you would change my life. And help me to walk in a new direction. A direction that is in your will. A direction that would be obedience to you and your word and your instructions. A direction of victory. And I thank you for this gift of eternal life that comes with the kingdom of God. And for saving me. I thank you for this new life in Jesus Christ. Today I make you my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May God's blessing be upon you guys. We want to thank you so much for tuning in today and being a part of our service. And I do want to take a moment that if there was somebody who responded to receive Christ into their life for the very first time today, or, or maybe you just felt a need to renew 
that faith and, and begin that journey, I do want to just take a moment to highlight this resource called Now What? It's a book designed to give you your next steps as you begin your faith journey and, and carry out that walk. And you can also find this online if you go to faithccpalmer.org forward slash now dash what. And um, there you can also access a uh, free Bible. You can request a hard copy of these and we can get those to you. We just thank you again. Happy Mother's Day to everyone that's watching. And I want to close with a special prayer of blessing before we end our service today. Father, I thank you so much for this time of worship together. Thank you for your gracious hand, for your blessings. And Lord, we just thank you for all these ladies that mean so much to us in our life. We ask a special blessing over them today. And Lord, in this prayer of blessing, may the Lord keep you. May the Lord bless you. And we thank you for this. Lord, we thank you for your gracious hand in our life. And we ask that you would go with us. That your presence be with us as we serve in the kingdom of God. We thank you for this now. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.